The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. During the Second World War, World War, there were many Jewish boys, American Jewish boys, that served in the United States Navy. It was not easy. It was a lot of, it was, it was mamish, it was not, it was uh, nefesh, it was a serious nefesh. There was no kosher food to be found, minyonim, keeping various mitzvahs was very, very difficult, but they had no choice. Many of the, many of the children there, I mean, they were young adults, teenagers, were moisten nefesh for many of the mitzvahs of the Torah, including keeping kosher, which was not easy. Many of them starved for days. There's one particular boy that we'll discuss tonight, his name is Eli. And Eli was a type of boy that when it came to Yiddishkeit, that came first. I don't care about the food, I don't care how starving I am, I'm not eating non-kosher. And one particular day at sea, the young sailors were up to many obstacles, seasickness, homesickness, it was very difficult for them. And they were forced to adapt to their surroundings of being on a boat. But the real life and death challenge and difficulties arose when they came into battle against the German U-boats. One particular day, this Ellie, Ellie that we're dealing with, was involved in such an encounter. And after the battle, the American destroyer he had, had avoided a direct hit from the, air, from the enemy, but a German missile attacked and struck the boat, bang smack in the middle. The captain of the boat worked very hard to try and figure out to maneuver certain things, to, otherwise it was just going to sink. And he managed to steer it in the right direction, and he managed to save the boat and everyone on the boat. The only problem was that the missile from the German, te- from the German boat had actually struck the storage room. It didn't go all the way down, it didn't penetrate down to the floor, which is why they didn't actually sink. But it did penetrate the storage room. And in that storage room, had two things. Had the food, which was mainly the bread and the dry things, and the clothing. Both of them destroyed. Here's this Jewish boy, Eli, who's in the, he's in the, he's in the US Navy. It, life is difficult, it's not easy, he's away from home, he can't you know, keep religion the way he wants to. The only thing he survives on is bread. And there's basically no bread to be found. There's no, there's no, it's, it's all destroyed, burnt, there's nothing left. So the only thing they did have was meat. Now he didn't eat meat because it was obviously not kosher. And he went around trying to swap and trade his, the, his meat that he got as his portion to anybody that had bread. And there were people that had some bread saved away and every so often he got. And he got to a stage where it was two days since he had a piece of bread. And he had plenty of meat. Beef. and regular meat. And he went around, please, does anybody... And he knew a particular person saved lots of bread. And he said, please, I'll give you so much meat. Just give me a portion of bread. Give me something. And the soldier says, no, I can't give it to you. But then he said, you know what? There's something that I want. I don't have any clothes. My clothes were burnt. I don't have anything to wear. You have a full uniform. Give me your uniform and I'll give you a, a loaf of bread. And this Jew, Eli, thinks to himself, this is the only thing I'm wearing. I'm starving. I'm starving to death. It's been two days since I've eaten. I've had some water, but I haven't eaten anything. This is the only clothes I have on my back. What am I meant to do? He says, I need to to live. So he removed his clothes, and he gave it over to the fellow, and he got a loaf of bread. He took his blanket, he sewed it over with some some safety pins, and tried to stay out of the the public eye. It was embarrassing for him, but that's what he did. This year, Delhi made it tear its stroll. Stayed strong, stayed religious. He made it to role. He had four children, boys. All of them were tremendous Talmidei Chachamim. 
One of his children, I'm not sure if which one it was, married the daughter of Nisim Karelitz. They came to Nisim Karelitz and he said, Wow, what a story! Look at this! This is your, you know. And he said, It's Poshet. It's Poshet. The Rabbani Shalolam never, ever makes something unnoticed. Everything goes noticed. This Yid was Moisa Nefesh for Yisrael, was Moisa Nefesh for his Jewish identity, for his Yiddishkeit. And he got paid back by becoming a Talmud Chacham and marrying the daughter of the God Lador. It's a Dover Poshet Admoit. There's another, that's a Dover, that's an unbelievable Dover Nifla Admoit. But let's say one more story, which I think maybe, perhaps, we can even relate to on our own level. A true Moisa here in Yisrael. There was a Yid... They got onto a bus, it was a, a bacha, got onto a bus here in Yisrael. And he's sitting on the bus, innocently sitting in his chair, empty seat next to him. And a young lady comes on the bus, dressed totally not sneers, sits herself right next to him. What a challenge. What an assign. It's a good boy, he's wearing his hat, wearing his jacket, doesn't know what to do. Doesn't want to embarrass her. He jumps up, he's going to embarrass her. But at the end of the day, he understands the Nisayin, he understands the challenge that he may have, and he says, I think I have to move. Puts the brim of his hat completely down, stands up slowly, you know, not making a scene, stands up slowly, and walks to the back of the bus. Decides that he's going to keep the brim of his hat down. This way he doesn't have to avoid any future sights, not going to... You know. Ten minutes later, he's traveling, and there's an explosion. There's an Arab who put himself next to in this car, next to this bus, and blew up himself, his car, and anything he could near him, which happened to be this bus. Chaos, the driver, tried to maneuver the bus to try and get some safety. He tried, he tried, in Baruch Hashem, he managed to control it, but unfortunately there were casualties, there were deaths. Within minutes, there were ambulances, there were people there, first responders coming to try and see what they could do, and they entered the bus. And he took those that needed to be taken immediately and they came to the back of the bus and they saw this bacha with his brim still down and glass all over the brim. And they said to him, wow, there is no question in our minds, the impact of this glass, if your brim was up, would have gone directly into your eyes. And I don't know if you'd be able to see anymore. That's what it did. What an unbelievable thing. But Rabbi said, it doesn't stop there, the story. Fast forward 15 years. Fifteen years later, this Bokha was now a married man with children. He was invited with his family to eat in a certain place. He comes to a shul, which he doesn't normally daven in because he's eating nearby. His family are waiting in the home and he goes to daven there. And the Baltfila, the chazan, has a beautiful, soft voice. And he thinks, that's such a, what a beautiful davening. You know, I'm going to go over to him and I'm going to thank him. Very rare occurrence. Go over to him and thank him for his beautiful davening. So he goes over at the end of the davening. He says, I just want to thank you for your beautiful davening. And as he's looking at him, he recognizes him, but he can't place him. And he sees that the, the chazan is looking at him, also can't place him. And they look at each other and then they say, Ah, were you at that bus bomb 15 years ago? He says, Yeah, I was the, the chazan. I was the driver. So the chazan said, I was the driver. So how did you recognize me? How did you know I was? You weren't even religious. You were a non-religious bus driver. You're a chazan and a shul, a religious... What, what, what's going on? So the driver says to him, the driver then, chazanel, says, I'll tell you what happened. When you were on that bus, a 
and I saw the, my mirror, I've got mirrors, I've cameras, you know, I, was, I can see what was going on. And I saw you sitting there. And I saw this not sneers girl, and I was, I was interested to see what a Haredi guy would do with a non sneers girl who's going to walk next to him. So I was looking, and I was following the events, and there it was, she sat next to you, you didn't jump up, slowly, you put your brim down, didn't make a whole scene, you stood up slowly, and you went, and I was so impressed by what you did. Not only did I see that, but when the actual bomb went off, and a few minutes later we were trying to get out, and they managed to get you out, I overheard the conversation of that paramedic who said to you, wow, if your brim was up, who knows if you'd be able to see out of Yomazeh. And I thought to myself, that's an unbelievable thing, the Nisoyen of every man to see such a thing. And look what he does. I decided to become religious on the spot. And here I am, 15 years later. I'm a religious man, I'm a chazan at shuls, and that's what I do. But basically the power of one thing, the power of one action, we don't even realize it, and we see it so clearly from this week's parasha. Avraham Avinu did such a small thing. He didn't bring the water himself. And the repercussions went to Moshe Rabbeinu, which now affect us. Rabbi, so let it be known that any time you do something, whether you see the results or you don't, that little bit of trying of kavona in davening, that little bit of trying to come to Seder on time, to come to Davin with a minion. That little bit of trying to maybe put your tefillin on at the right time, take them off at the right time. Wearing your tzitzis, making brachas loud with kavana. The small, tiny things that seem to go unnoticed. The Rabbi Shalom never, ever takes them unnoticed and everything is noticed and the results can be unbelievable. Rabbi Shalom, I think that's the message from this week's parasha. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock and it started many years earlier by Avraham Avinu. The small maizim, the small things that we do. And let me just finish with one last thing. There was a school. There was a school in 1998. And they called it the Paperclip Project. I don't know if you heard about it. Paperclip Project in 1998. There was a school in the uh, mountains of Tennessee. And there was a school, the principal school of Whitewell Middle School asked the fifth grade teacher and the assistant principal to start a project. And the project was Holocaust understanding. Now these were no, there were no Jewish people in this school. These were white Christian people who decided to do something and understand the shock of six million Jews being killed. They didn't understand it. They had no connection to Yiddishkeit or Judaism or any Jews. But just the sheer understanding of it was unbelievable. And what they decided to do was, they decided to actually collect paper clips. One person had an idea, we're going to collect six million paper clips. Started with one. And all of a sudden it got the media's attention all over America. People were sending in paper clips and letters and all sorts of things, following how many paper clips. Eventually they got to six million paper clips. And they filled one of the cattle carts that the Nazis in Makhshavon took the Yidden to the concentration camps. Again, Rabbi said these were not Jews, these were white Christian human beings that just didn't understand how Jews could be killed just for the sake because they were Jewish. And it took six million paper clips. For them, that was what they could do. They didn't understand anything more than that. For them, on their level, that was some kind of remembrance, that was some kind of something that they could do. And it all started from one paper clip, six million paper clips. Rabbi Sai. Sometimes we do something, and it's small, and it's not a big thing. And it doesn't make the news, it doesn't make the headlines. But we have to remember, it's the small mice in that count. 
It's the small maizim again and again that attribute greatness and brings us to the best person that we can be. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.